It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello and welcome to the podcast, the nature and countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. And welcome to season 11, which we're calling Voices of the Countryside. And as you can hear, I'm out splashing along a muddy footpath, listening to some of the first voices of 2022 as an egret drifts by and by the river, my local river Usk. And although it's supposed to be a dead part of the year, early January, the birds are singing. There's robins, distant song thrush, might even catch the hammering of a great spotted woodpecker. But there's great tits, there's dunnocks, wrens, all sorts. It gives me a lot of hope. My name is Fergus Collins and I'm the host of the podcast. And in this season, season 11, as I say, we're looking at voices of the countryside, listening to voices of the countryside. So that's farmers, conservationists, craftspeople, writers, artists, all sorts of folk who have something interesting to say about the beautiful landscapes and the rural world that we love. But most of all, I'm hoping we capture, as a great tit sings in the background, these voices of nature, which I love so much, which bring me out even on the most miserable days. On that very theme, this first episode is a quest to hear some wild voices. Just before Christmas, I set out with an old friend, author and naturalist Ben Hoare, near his home in Somerset, where the WWT, the Wildfowl and Wetland Trust, have created a marvellous wild wetland. And there we wandered 
talking about the thing we love most, walking in nature. So let me whisk you off to the wild winter wetlands of North Somerset and be enchanted by this amazing evocative place. So Ben, where have you brought me to? A gem, twixt the sea and the land. It's changed a lot, Sturt. It's called Sturt, okay, so it's... S-T-E-R-T. Well, I might be pronouncing it wrong too. No, I think I, you're right, that's what the sat nav said. So, uh, the village is just out there, look, you can see that it, it's like a finger sticking out into the Bristol Channel. So this is a, this is, we're on a peninsula, basically, aren't we? We're on we a, are, on the edge of Bridgewater Bay. So we've got the River Parrot coming up from the depths of Somerset, yeah, the through, heart of Somerset, through the Somerset Levels. Drains the levels through, Bri- and then comes out through Bridgewater, okay. enters the Bristol Channel just here. So we were looking north across what looks like salt marshes, is that right? Yeah, yeah salt marshes, and then on the far bank you've got um, the Mendips in the distance there. Fantastic. To and on a yeah. good day, slightly higher ground, you can just about see the tops of the... Um, the suspension bridge across to Wales. Uh, okay. We're not quite high enough here, so you get quite a good view. In fact, views in all directions. You've got yeah. the Quantox in the, the other way. The Quantox is your home. Yes, this is where, so that's right. Can... I look down on this <laughs> marshy land. There have always been salt marshes here, but the reserve we're on now, um, in 2014, they breached the seawall and have dramatically realigned the... Um, the marshes and the land, so there's a lot more marsh than there used to be. It had been drained, really. Okay, tamed. so this, this was farmland before then? And now it's yeah, I mean, there still is farmland here, a lot of wet farmland. Mm. You say wet farmland, so that's grazing land, is it? Yeah, yeah and there's lambs, uh, there's yeah. sheep as well. Oh, I can see some sheep in the distance. Some yeah. small birds there. I think they're buntings of some kind. Oh, Reed right. buntings. And there's and a chaffinch chaffinches. You don't know Ben, he's one of the best naturalists I know. Um, Isn't that nice? There's a flock of 20, 30. So I always think you should double it. Where, actually, chaffinches. there's nearly always more than you think when you actually start linnets. looking. Yeah, there's linnets, chaffinches. I mean, that's a site you just don't see enough of. Just like a nice mixed flock of small birds. Yeah. And you've got, like we saw some teasel, didn't we, on the way in. It's a really messy Fistle place. Heads. In a, it is in messy. most delightful sense that there is yeah messy in the best possible way so you're a voice of the countryside but we're also hoping for the voices of some of the wild birds here and i did hear earlier deep yep. in lagoons here lots of wildfowl and waders so hopefully yeah, we can capture some of that but uh, yeah what a day so it's december mild as anything yeah super we're, mild isn't it we're a week About before 10, christmas 10 11 degrees yeah and jumper what? weather really well, I've got four layers and I'm feeling sort of... Yeah, I've, I've felt... This can be bitter here. I've, I've, I've put long johns on, got the thermals on, uh, and I'm way too warm. <laughs> yeah. This does look like it. You know, it's very, very exposed. And we've got a line of pylons going through here from yeah. Hinkley Power Station, presumably. The, the yeah, Hinkley which is just, just south of us. Oh. So uh, they, they look to me always as if, like, Lego bricks. Yeah. And um, you don't really get a sense of the scale of them until you get a bit closer. But obviously, there was a curly. Curly. I don't know whether your mic picked that up. Yeah, definitely picked that up. Good bird to hear nowadays. That's is a voice of the countryside. So in the distance, so to our, that's the south, is it, from, from us? We've got two, More or less. two huge sort of yeah. silos. So that's Hinkley. Very imaginatively, I think they're called Hinkley A and B. Oh, and the new one they're building is um, hey, uh, do you think C. Oh, you wouldn't let me guess. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, um, 
Yeah, that's the thing about nuclear power stations. They don't sort of try and romanticise them with... Uh... So we're in, I, I, we're in the shadow of it, and it's, it's supposed to be one of the biggest construction sites in Europe, actually. But and they're, so they're building Hinkley Sea at the moment, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, so you've got endless line of lorries trundling from the Mendips over to here, bringing... Uh, Stuff for the concrete. Are they quarrying stuff out of the mendips? To make for the concrete, yeah, huge amounts of concrete. I'm slightly too tall. So we're in a sort of, sort of hide here. Standing hide, a screen. Screen is a good word. It's just a single carrying crow flying overhead. What we want is a nice flyby from a bird of prey to just show us all the birds that are hidden in there. I'm pretty certain there was a marsh harrier behind us earlier. Very likely. There's another voice. So the call of the crow on a winter's day is, I think, a rather evocative and lovely sound. So what have you seen down here then, Ben? So actually, the best bird, the avocets. Avocets. And would they be here in winter? I think you can see them. Um, I I haven't seen them recently. Um, They tend to form big flocks in winter at favoured estuaries. I see, so hopefully... Further south near Exeter, you get them at the X estuary. But they breed here, and that's amazing. You know, when when we were lads, that's that's the seventies and eighties. Yeah, I guess long time. You had to go to Minsmere to see. Well, they they are the the emblem of the RSPB. Now we're in we're in a WWT reserve here, the Wildfowl and Wetland Trust. Um, You do get a sense that um, this is all about creating really huge amounts of habitat but quite quickly yeah this is wetlands hard, like this can be created quite quickly yeah. just add water yeah. <laughs> and more. and the wildlife yeah. and the, the plants appear they haven't done any sowing of plants have they these these reed beds just seem to appear out of i'm not sure they what's that on the oh, it's a magpie <laughs> a hello magpie. magpie yeah i like to see two magpies on a on a podcast as regular listeners will know so here we go the flock coming over of linnets i think You'll know better. We can call them linnets. Yeah, they're bouncy and they've got that little funny little metallic pew pew pew. Just on top of the bed. Is that a female? A lovely stone chat. Stone chat. Well spotted. Is that a female stone chat? I think so, yeah. Yeah, she's beautiful. You often see two or three together, I find. Normally they um, give themselves away. Yeah, there's the male behind. Yeah, lovely. And it also called just at that moment. There's our second magpie, which means it's a good thing. We're okay now, are we? We're good now. We can relax. You've got a book out, just out latter end of 2021. Yes, Uh, I have. Naked Treasures. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about... Well... It's not your first book, is it? No, I've done a few before. So it's like... um, Well, it's a children's book. Although um, I think plenty of adults might enjoy it too. So it's all about the stuff of nature and the nature of stuff, really. Okay. It's like a nature table in book form. So what, what, what I realised is that um, children, just from watching my own two daughters, I noticed that children are very tactile with nature, so they're always collecting feathers and shells and bits of wood and you know, leaves, things that take catch their eye and they're hiding them under the bed, putting them on windowsills. And so this is a book that explains how all these natural objects came to be, how they work, 
um, their place in the natural world. Yeah, it was fun to write. Is it UK-based or is it international? Uh, no, in fact, stuff from all over the world. And we've got some rocks in there as well. We've got snowflakes. You know, everything from birds' nests to um, uh, wacky things like sperm whale ambergris, which I've yet to find. No, that would be a great one. That's cast up on the beach. Yes, sperm whale vomit, <laughs> studded with delightful squid beaks but, that they've been eating. But it's used in perfumes, is that right? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if it still is, but it certainly once was, yeah. So, I mean, I, I fairly... It, 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 people describe the smell in different ways. I've never, as I, I've never actually smelt it but um it's supposed to have a bit of a bit of a smell of the farmyard about it oh right but that's, that's at the blighter end of the spectrum <laughs> but it is made up of all the mashed up bits of shell and yeah of... It, used to, it used to be called dragon dragon spit i think people thought maybe it came from sea monsters oh well i'd love to find that or well, maybe we can do a, a beach cast at some stage and uh... we'll have a little look on the foreshore here there'll be a yeah. Very unlikely find. No, we need to find where sperm whales hang out from Shetland or somewhere like that. Yeah, I doubt they come up the Bristol Channel very often. No, no, pity, pity. Um, so that's very exciting. So you, you're, you're sort of guide as a guide to um, the wild world, but from yeah. a children's perspective. It's like an encyclop- It's like an encyclopedia with a twist. So instead of um, a guide to all the species, it's it's a guide to objects. So like. You've, you've got a spread on dragonfly wings and another one on fish scales or um, I've got uh, this is spread on a wolf skeleton, you know, bones are interesting, you know, so it's... Yeah, yeah. And, um, and lots of shells and feathers, nuts, seeds, all these things. I, I realised that that's how children especially often relate to the world. They want to touch and handle and feel and smell and yeah. these things. I expect coming to a place like this is not very exciting for it. Um, from my own son's perspective well one thing I've discovered about going on rambles with my children is to let them find they'll find what, what's interesting to them and it's it's not what you expect necessarily yeah yeah I so, think that's um, very good advice because I think I've always uh, you can guide them you know you, you could say right we're going pond dipping and then actually something not in the pond might be more interesting to them you know and I, it's, as long as they're exploring in the wild it doesn't really matter to me yeah yeah, good advice because i think i've always sort of oh i love these wonders of nature you're going to love this the bird song but of course i mean i would love it if you know we went pondy ah newt you know dad that's amazing you know but you know one thing they did like uh, was whirly gig beetles yes zoom around on the surface like um dodgems mini 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 dodgems i imagine if we came here in summer there'd be Ditches would be full of them, yeah. yeah. Oh, so we've got a, we've just come up a small rise, and we've got this very interesting view of what looks like the Parrot Estuary. It yep. must be the Parrot Estuary. It's just low, low tide, lots yeah. of mud this exposed is, at the moment. This is a classic sort of Somerset Estuary. Not yeah. as many Somerset Estuaries, but this is a big, broad, brown, mud, muddy sort of muddy bank. It's a channel, famous for its eels. Parrot. Yeah, they might. Well, I mean, so is the Bristol Channel, of course, up up to the Severn and through the levels. And um, eel fishing used to be a big thing in the spring, obviously. Um, All the elves coming up when they're migrating upstream. Yes, to baby eels. Yeah, cool.
then they spend a few, a few years inland before they head back out to sea. So this is a river that people people will be familiar with the Severn, but not the Parrot, but this is a big old river, and it's probably Somerset's... It's quite somewhere. wide here, yeah. yeah. Um, but the levels, it's, it's not the only river in the levels, but um, obviously it drains quite a large area. So we've got the town below us, just to the south, called... Is that Cannington? No, but, um, that, that's Cummich. Cummich, OK. Spelt Combwich, but pronounced Cummich. Um, there's, there's a wharf there. I think it used to be a kind of like a very small... Well, not quite a port, but... That's the amazing thing. So this was navigable all the way up to... Because um, I've just been in Bridgewater, and there's clearly docks there. Yeah, there were. And... Um, high flycatcher. Pied flycatcher? Pied wagtail. Pied wagtail. Nice bird. Yeah. yeah. Chi- just... I, 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 my, my, my children call them tarmac birds. Not, not, not that there's any tarmac here, but you often see them in car parks. Yeah, they seem to have a thing about car parks, pied wagtails. So there's a lot of... There's a bit of bird life out on the river. Yeah. Uh, let's see what we can find here. And there's a nicely sighted bench. Yes. But this is a nice wild feeling here. I know there's a path along the... Uh, the sort of flood defences, but well, this this also I think this stretch is natural in the sense that um, its banks haven't been canalised and you've just got this expensive expanse of mud, so it's behaving quite naturally. Yeah, so as you can see where the river comes up and down each. I mean, there are stretches which are full of sluices and all the rest of it. So there's some lapwings further down on the shoreline. Is that the call of Widgeon? Teal, possibly. No, teal is more of a whistle, isn't it? That's the sounds I've come for, the wild sounds of the wetland. The wild voices of water worlds. sort of lonely cries of crows. I did wonder about bringing my telescope, but I find I rarely use it these days. Yeah. I I, I find, um, I mean, you know, you put a telescope on a tripod and you can actually see every feather on a bird. It's it's amazing. Um, But I don't feel the need anymore to put a name to every single bird that I see. That's interesting. That's what I used to... So I used to come here... And I'm like, I get my telescope or scope and I start at the left and I just work across to the right, ticking off, writing down everything. Yeah. So you have your notebook and you write mallard, 17, teal, 4, grey heron, 2. And you just go across the scene. And I just, I don't actually feel the need to do that anymore. And so what's changed, do you think? There's a, there's a red, um, shank, red shank moving into the left. There's lots know, of red maybe, I, I, I'm still a birder. I just yeah. don't feel the need to name everything. It's more about the experience as well. Yeah. Okay. That's um, really interesting. So, as a younger, a younger man, it's a young man's game. You're saying the, the listing. <laughs> <and> the... <laughs> well, there's plenty of older people who. Yeah. It's each to their own. This is the good bit. This is where you get your eye in, yeah. and you suddenly start. There's loads of things to see the, the, here. Yeah, you suddenly start... There's a shell duck. Look straight out. Ahead well, of good. us. You're good. Nice bird. Yeah, really. They come here to molt. So um, this is a really handsome... It's like a, it's a goose-sized duck. It is. Oh, something's come up over here. Is there? That's nothing. No, it's just a crow, sorry. 
I get excited by birds appearing. Oh, the, but there is an egret coming through. Nice. Normally, in December, coming here, it's gloves and a hat. Yeah, it's really exposed here. You're exposed on all the sides to weather coming straight off the Atlantic. I don't think I have ever been as cold in my life as I have been when I've been bird watching <laughs> at places like this. Yeah. You know, it's particularly when you're sitting still, um, if you're watching something, it stays really pleasant. Bird is hypothermic. So we're on, we're on a track, just to give it, we're on a track of sea defence, really, I'd say, or the top of the river bank. Yeah. And on one side we've got the river to our east and to the west. Well, I'm not sure of my directions now. <laughs> we might be actually walking east. Well, we uh, are. We're, yeah. we're sort of curving. Yeah. Um, I, I think north is. Yeah. Okay. There. So on one side we've got uh, we've got salt marsh. And there's just a gull out. And there's here. lots of lots of lovely exposed mud. Black-headed gull, which in winter doesn't have its black head; it just has a black spot. Yeah. There's a there's oh, an even oh, that's a really good sound. He's just there. He is massive bird just up ahead of us, sitting yeah. on a fence. Oh, that is a real voice of the countryside. Let's see if he'll go again. That's, so just there, yeah, the scene. Just this lovely, wild. There's no one else around. Just us two. Wild open estuary with a spit of, as you say, finger of land that goes right out, so creating this curve as it bends. Uh, red shank? Red shank, as it bends into the... Um, so there's a real history. wildness, and yet yeah. nearly everything we look at has been touched by people. Yeah. I mean, fairly obviously, in one direction, you can see Hinkley Point, the power station, and you've got the um, power lines. Yeah, yeah. You can hear a distant construction site. But the birds don't mind any of that. So that's what's quite nice. You've got this wildness right next to quite a lot of human activity of one kind or another. So the raven is going to launch into the air as we approach, but he's not gone yet. I wonder if he'll give us a little bit of cronking. Oh, shit. Yeah, we're getting more and more of these lovely. There we go. There's two. Yeah. Yeah, although, and although the croak is their most famous sound, they actually do quite a lot of musical cores of various descriptions. They can sound a bit like frogs, even. Quite chatty birds. Great birds. Great birds. They, yeah. they look like one massive bird, but actually it was two, just perched one behind the other and then quite a vocal red shank yeah, down below us which is really nice so the it's nickname its nickname is the sentinel of the marshes because yeah. it's very quick to take offense and fly off and the call shank. as it does so yeah oops opening a gate yeah, song of the gate thanks ben no, there's something flowering here which looks to me so yarrow like but it may be a yarrow i think it is yarrow because First of all, it's, it's quite a short compared to cow parsley, for example, because it's in the same family. And it's got those feathery leaves. Yes, yes, ferny, feathery, and these little... Full flower, December. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And there's some more behind there, yeah. yeah. So, 
it's not all dead in the countryside, but then, you know, we, I, I've, I've been out on colder June days than this. Yes. So now we've come to a sort of stretch of hedgy... Oh, it's, it's I can hear breath. a wren. There's a wren yeah. up ahead, calling from the hedge. There's a bird's nest. Yeah, let's see what's along here. Covered in... Um, the hedge is covered in rose hips. So I'm going to say... nice. Yeah, absolutely. Like, bejeweled, ruby red uh, rose hips. Hundreds of them. This is the alarm, sort of alarm call of a wren. Yeah. There's a couple of them calling to each other. Yes, we're all sort of hedgerow, but it's really just a bramble row and some hawthorn and rose hips. So I, I've known you, Ben, for Ooh, many moons. Five years, maybe. Yeah, half I would my say life. So. And you, know, from the very, from as long as I've known you, and obviously before, you've been, you've loved nature, you've written about it, you've watched it, you've gone on glorious sort of adventures into it. Have you? And have you always been into nature and the and the wild? My, so my parents say yes that I was always interested in the ladybirds and that um, I, I used to pick posies of flowers. There's a lot. There's, there's all these pictures of me looking quite angelic, holding posies of flowers. <laughs> um, so I had that kind of grass-stained, muddy childhood where I was allowed to explore. And um, Dad, in particular, encouraged that. He used to take me out bird watching. And I can remember quite a lot of birds. I can remember the, where I first saw them. Really? So you're so quite, I, so quite when, young. So yeah. I have a, I have memory. I mean, I'm sure lots of people are like this. You have memories attached to each species, so you can remember where you first saw a coltit or where you first saw a red shank. And yeah. Um, but what do you get from being out in nature and seeing wild things? What's the essence for you? So I think you get a decluttering of your mind. I don't walk particularly fast. We're not really walking very fast here. No, are we? no, this is quite fast for me. So this is a kind of a, a shuffle, a dawdle, a dawdle, a plod. Yeah. <laughs> so you're plodding and shuffling, and stumbling, because if you're looking at stuff, you're not really looking where you're putting your feet. What's that little thing? That's another stone chat. That's it. A lovely, oh, yes. lovely male stone chat. You oh, see, it's white collar, yeah. and it's. Dark perky, head. flicky. It's a perky, flicky bird with a peachy tummy. Yeah, it's a peachy bird. Nice. They obviously like it here. Yeah, this is good. Oh, and there's another bird. Could be another stone chat. Goldfinch. Beautiful. Yeah. Goldfinches and they've got their beaks full of seed heads. There's lots of thistle, thistle down around here. I love the way. I mean, the, that flash of yellow is so bright in this rather, I hate to say the word dreary, but it is a sort of subdued landscape. And then that flash of... Yeah, muted. Muted. muted There's lots of greys and... But our lives lives are so colourful and crowded and noisy that to come to a a place like this, which is just slightly... The the pace is slightly different. Yeah. And as you shuffle and dawdle or whatever it is you're doing, just seeing what you see, I think that's a very... It's a totally different way of being. And normally, although there's two of us today, I'm, I'm nearly always doing that on my own. Yeah. And the other thing I've started doing is just seeing a nice bank or mossy log and just sitting down for a bit. 
I, which I didn't yeah. used to do. When I was younger, I would never do something like that. I'm always racing on to find the next thing. But um, just sitting and watching. There's something about walking slowly, particularly in environments with lots of greenery and lots of water. And we've got both those here. I think it's instinctive. We know. We know this is good for us. You know, you don't need to actually read the scientific studies. Or, I mean, there's, there's lots and lots of books about this now. Um, I'm just stopping to look at a mallow. I think this is a mallow in flower. Coming to... Yeah, yeah. I think that's mallow. Um, and Not then a flower a I know very well, because that's a dandelion in flower. So there's a few things and more yarrow there. So this is obviously a bit protected along this... I reckon we might windswept. see if we get to ten species of wildflower for a December day. That would be quite good. In, in flower, yeah. I think we possibly could. I mean, there's a dandelion clock there. Yeah. People call birdwatchers twitchers, but that's really unfair. Well, yeah, twi- twitching is a type of birdwatching, and yeah. very few people choose to call themselves twitchers. Yeah. That's more the idea that you're following rare birds because you're seeking exotic species and you're often prepared to travel to see them Um, and there's no doubt it's it's exciting to see something that you've not seen before do you get a buzz still when you see something so I haven't twitched if you want to use the word for a very long time and what what you can't beat is finding something yourself unexpected it doesn't have to be rare but just finding there's a kill Finding something yourself, yeah. So, so this would be part of your nature's treasures, would it? So we've got a pile of pile of feathers. feathers. Are they, oh, can you identify probably what a wood these are? pigeon? Would you say, or a gull? I don't know. They look quite small. These feathers, aren't they? There's not. There's not many left. They're quite. Uh, a couple of them are in good good nick. I don't think that's a wood pigeon. A duck. I don't know. I think a duck. Mm. Or a wader. There's not much. I mean, there's a lot of species here. It could be. So you think there's probably a sparrowhawk kill or a peregrine kill? So it's just in the long grass beside this hedge. One thing sparrowhawks do, I see a lot. They follow hedge lines. Yeah. Really low, below the level of the hedge, really, flicking either side of the hedge through gaps, just trying to flush little birds out of the sides of the hedge. So I don't know, maybe it was a sparrowhawk. And here's another flower, look. Um, oh, uh, it's, rag- oh, it's ragwort-like, ragwort. isn't it? Whether it's just the end of a ragwort. I think you're probably right. Well, we've got some clover up here, so we're... Uh, sure, no, gorse. Fergus, another flower for oh, us. Oh, fantastic, yes. Now that that's, that's in full flower, that bush. Yeah. In fact, that's quite a nice vista with the gorse bush just there. Providing a real brightness. Yeah, a little bit of blueness in the sky. There's some good views. So we're looking over the salt marsh. And that single hump there is Brent Knoll, which I don't know much about, but it's what it's like a it's like a lonely the lonely mendip. You got right by it's right by the M5. Yeah. And I always used to see that and think it was a volcano. Yeah. As a child. (laughs) It's it's a good one. It's a perfect little piece. It's a lovely little hill to climb actually. I've never been up it, but this is interesting. So on one side, it's all mud flat now. And yeah. Channels, little creeks, and all sorts. But fewer. But I mean, look, you can see all the tracks of bird life. Yeah. So it's all across the mud flats. There are these train tracks of 
webbed feet. Maybe even mammals. Yep. Hello. Hello. Oh. <laughs> Sound like a curdy? Yep, certainly was. Obviously it's like an echo, an echo of the spring song, but still yeah, it's a bit of it. Really evocative on this really wild mud flat. Oh, there we go. That's the sound of the uh, text message. <laughs> the wild text message. You see the smoke over there? Oh, wow. So what is that? It's a huge flock. It's like a smoke. large flock of waders, that. Isn't that fantastic? So it's like a... Maybe they're Dunlin. It's like calligraphy. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. So we, 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 it's yeah. kind of a bit like a starling murmuration, but mm. moving more like a. It's like a long line, almost like a dragon in the sky. They're coming down. Coming down into the, salt the mud. Wow. So for that many, I mean, there's obviously a few hundred birds. That was a few. A I'm few thinking hundred. they're probably dunlins. There's another small one, and I can see it with my naked eye, but. Oh yeah, they are probably a mile away. It's a few hundred birds in there as well. Well spotted, fantastic. So that's one of the sort of marvels of this place that you can suddenly see a vast flock of birds, and that's out on the real Seven Estuary, isn't it? Yeah. Which we probably won't be able to get to from it. I mean, it's not actually that far from us. You can see the. Yeah, it's about a mile, I'd say, over there. Yeah. Because there were so many birds. I mean, Dunlin are about the size of smaller than a blackbird, aren't they? Oh, quite a bit smaller, yeah, I think. So this is the breach just here. Oh, OK. Where this particular bank comes to an abrupt stop. Ah, uh, OK, so we can't go any further. I mean, it's literally... So it, it's, they made this 200-metre-wide cut and literally just let the sea in. So and they'd, they'd sculpted on, on the salt marsh side, they'd, they'd sculpted some channels, like, ready for the seawater to come in but a lot of it was just the water finding its own way that's amazing so this presumably this was at one stage farmland to our left uh, yeah I mean, and like, like fields breaching than. breaching this bank goes against everything that people have been working for i guess in the last well a few hundred years i suppose it goes against the grain that's an interesting plant south thistle South thistle, south thistle? No. I think you could be right. It's got a milky sap if okay. it's. There you are. Sap. So that's south thistle. Well yeah. spotted. Yep. That's another in flower, yellow flower. Must be almost at 10 by now. Yeah, I think they're there. So, oh, there's a little flock of something coming through here. Uh, where are you pointing? Behind this bramble bush. They're sort of now going left. Oh, yeah, yeah. Quite a. Now, I'm wondering are they golden plover? Ooh. That's exciting. We're getting a lot more noise out here, actually. I'm changing my... M Can you see them flicking around over the water there? Yeah, look? yeah. Yes, they're getting closer to us, actually. I don't think they are golden plover now. I just, for a minute, thought they might be. So they're heading upstream, upriver. Giving us quite a good show now, but they are... You can hear the wings. You can. That rush. Oh, we're getting probably Dunlin. Dunlin, okay. They look quite big, but uh, did. 
this couple we're meeting will now tell us, oh, did you see the golden plover? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard because they all, in winter particularly, they, they, they assume this mud flat colouring because they sort of flicker and they've got pale undersides. They're beautiful. Oh, look, not the big line of... This is really exciting now. That's a lot of birds in the air. Look at them. Oh, there must be several thousand there. Yeah, a mini murmuration <gasps> with the mendips. That's absolutely epic. And look going in different directions. Well, we're going to get a murmuration of Dunlit. That's Dunlit. I guess we're coming... I mean, the tide is coming in now. Um, well, I'm very I guess with I guess we're three hours from high tide or something. So it is coming in. Okay. Hello. Lots of avocets down there. Oh, the avocets. We've not seen those yet. Whereabouts yeah. were the avocets? Just up near the breach. Uh, near the breach. Yeah, and I think there's a load of um, lapwings as well up there. Lapwings? We can hear them. Shell duck. What, yeah, right what's the there, huge flock? Is Dunlin? Sorry? It's the huge flock Dunlin? It could be. I'm not... I'm not I'm, no, well, no, no. We, we're, we're trying to it is. I'm not very good at water birds, so I'm quite good at other birds. I've been tempted to call them Dunlin, but they're rather far away. There's a lot of red shanks, I think. Yeah. There's just a massive, massive flock there. You can see it. Yes, like well, if you go to the, you get, when you get to the breach, they're just yeah. uh, flying around over there. So, God, well, we're going to have a get a closer look. Okay, look the there's definitely more birds as we've come down. Oh yeah, and you'll find up here where there's a stack of them actually on the mud. Yeah, okay, thank you. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your day. So this is the, we're coming into the heart of the podcast. Well, an avocet would be good. Such oh. a brilliant bird. I mean, you know, they look like they're moving when they're standing still. They're just fantastic racy looking waders. So, yeah, no, I, I see what you mean. That they've kind of got this. They're black and white. They're very tall, elegant. And they've got this upturned, upturned bill. bill, and so they've got. They're, the, they're the opposite to a curly, which has a downturned bill. And they're they're quite a large wader, but there's something very graceful about them. They seem to carry their bulk very lightly. Look at this cloud of birds. Yeah. So, you know, you and I have both been to the Starling murmuration many times on the sunset levels, but this is, they're doing it. These are waders doing it. Same thing. Yeah. Um, and there's quite a pack of lapwing coming somewhere off to our... Oh, look, yes. Right. That one's... Uh, look. So it's doing its sort of... Tumbling. Tumbling display over the water. That is a wonder. Yeah. There is... Oh. that's... What a beautiful thing. The way it flashes from yeah. black. They have like quite heavy wings, don't they? And, and, and as you say, this tumbling, flopping flight they have is just so wonderful to watch. I'm just going to give you some... I'm just going to pause and give you some lapwing song. curly behind so that's a great big that's a good hundred odd lapwing there which is a wonderful maybe not a hundred a bit less but then there's more down here, more here. there's another there's another no there are about a hundred lapwing yeah, yeah. One, that's them all whooping Lapwing's not doing well, but in this particular space, we've got... Well, it feels like plenty. Um, and those waders we're calling Dunlin are up in the air again. Like smoke in the distance. It really is like smoke. It's smoke over the Mendips. And they're just surging to and fro in this kind of 
like one organism. Yeah. Oh, I mean, just look at the shape. They're just making a mushroom in the sky and they're making all sorts of shapes. They're shimmering. Yeah. They disappear and then they... And then they turn onto there. And as you say, the, when they show the underside, the whole flock turns white. Yeah, and they, they go white. And then they the flick sky. to the other side and you see the grey upper parts. The flock seems to change colour very quickly. This is quite extraordinary. And we're really at, almost at the mouth of the estuary now, aren't we? Into, yeah. It joins there. And we're getting closer to this big flock. It's now in a sort of V formation and then they all double back on themselves and they vanish and then... I mean, just why they're in the air, I don't know. That There's plenty of mud for them. Yeah. Must be a lot of energy being used. In... Well, possibly a raptor has spooked them, and that's why they're all up in the air suddenly. Yeah. I don't know. As normally you'd expect. I mean, there are, it looks like, a lot of birds out on the marsh, unless those are just little tufts of growth. But it looks... It's like... No, that's... It's all birds. All birds, hundreds of birds out there on the ground. So we might be walking. That bank that I thought was mud is actually entirely birds. <laughs> yes. Just there. That's incredible. Yeah, there's lots of things flying low over the water now. Now they're really low. Look at look how low these the, the flock is. Yeah, they're coming in. Look at that. Oh, Whoa. That is breathtaking. They've got to be done then. So now set flying underneath it. Oh yeah, and there's quite a few other sets out on the. Ah, at the moment. so those birds there, at the back. Yeah. That little group, they're all avocets. Look, now oh, look, look, they've just taken off. So look at that. So they're white with flickering black wing tips. Gosh, look at that. And there's like confetti of. It is landing. confetti. They're landing. The uh, <gasps> look how they're, they're coating the mudflats. Yeah. This massive flock, only a portion of it's landed, but suddenly. They're all coming down. So you're right, they must have been spooked. And... No, they're maybe, coming off again. Maybe 30 or 40 have a set there. Maybe yeah. more than that, I should think. And if you, if you look <gasps> up, there's more oh in the goodness. sky. goodness, there's still thousands in the sky, but there must be... There must be several. But they're going in all directions. Oh. Actually, everywhere you look, there are birds. So actually, I think this is quite a good stage of a tide to have come. Yeah, yeah, we're getting... Some real um, all things considered. So they're seething back and forward. So well, the Dunlins have come from the Arctic. Have they? Okay. Um, the Avocet is a local breeder, so they breed more locally, including in England and Wales. Um, but the Lapwing could be from all over the UK or further afield. So you've kind of got a melting pot. Really, the yeah. duck as well. There's probably so 500 some, some of the duck come from yeah. continental Europe. What tends to happen is the, not just with Dunlins but with other Arctic breeding waders too, the adults migrate south first, which can be. So any birds that don't succeed, their breeding season hasn't succeeded. By June, they're already heading south again. That's extraordinary. Um, but certainly in July, the rest of them. Are following on and then the juveniles come afterwards follow on right um they follow their parents later on so you get these waves of birds but they don't actually spend that long up in the arctic but of course they've got the benefit of very long almost permanent daylight 
I see. So they do. So it's a short and intense breeding season. These birds here. They're curly. Wow. So there's about. You see that big flock? 40, 50, 60 large birds. They're all curly, are they? Yeah. They must have been in the field rather than on the mud. There's still some out on the marsh because we can hear them. They're coming around towards us. That'd be grand, wouldn't it? Actually, there's a whole, there's a few curlews just coming in here. I think these are curlews. Just six or five, five curlews close up. Oh, it does the heart good, six of them. It does the heart good to see lots of curlews and lots of lapwings. I know how bad everything is nationwide, but sometimes you need a bit of... There they go. A bit of reassurance. There's more and more coming in. Great noises out in the marsh. It's so still. It's joyous. And then over to the to above Brent Knoll, the Dunlins are up again. Yeah. So a great sort of a worm of a, a twisting worm of birds in the sky. Yeah. Oh, it's just like it's sort of twisting ribbon, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Constantly yeah. reshaping and reforming. It's the best Christmas ribbon. I think there's a load of curlews coming in here, Ben. And the way they sort of drop, yep. singly, dropping out of the flock, and then, hello friends. So we're walking to, oh look, and then a really big flock. Are these all curlies? They are. So, well, I you, think we're seeing a few different flocks come together, yeah. not all of which we've seen before. So what I love about them is they just do this sort of tumble. Yeah, to, lo to lose height. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> and there's the song. I love them all to start singing at once. Tons of curlies in the sky at the moment. I've never seen so many at once. It looks like some lapwings above them. Yeah, lapwings above them, and then... Now that is one... If, if I did have my telescope, the mud yeah. here's yeah. got quite a few, but they sort of disappear when they land. That's a Beautifully amazing. cryptic plumage. Yes, I see. Gosh. So I was recording curlies. Flap, 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 glide. It holds its wings in that very distinctive V shape when it's mm. gliding. There's a marsh area. Fantastic. Good spot, Ben. Well, it would be odd if we came here without seeing a single bird of prey. Yeah. This place is very good for them. It's beginning to feel very dusky, isn't it? And it's just flying across the very browny, orangey brown salt marshes. So yeah, just set the scene, we're now walking back towards the car and the bird we're seeing most is curlews uh, and there's just little parties of them between sort of four and twenty 
drifting over and heading out onto the river. And we can actually see a party of 20 at the moment just stirring and looking for the kind of roosting spots. So it's kind of curly, curly, curly dusk. Curly. We've yeah. seen a good number of curly, good, good really number good of avocet. Really good numbers of lapwings. And um, large flocks of dunlin. Massive flocks of dunlin. We've had our raptor in the form of a marsh harrier. Lovely stone chats. Linnets, stone chats. We've had our red shanks and a few ducks. Teal and widgeon. We've, we've probably only done a tiny bit of this reserve as well. We haven't done the sort of inland bits of lagoons. And we've just seen the edges of it really, haven't yeah. we? We've just walked around the edge. Well, we've been here sort of four, four hours now, I should think. But yeah. actually that flock of, flock of Dunlin yes. is one of the great wildlife spectacles. It is. And, uh, yeah. and we got a really good view of it, yeah. Sometimes you come to somewhere like this and you think um, you're almost walking in a painting by someone like Peter Scott, who used to specialise yeah. in... I mean, obviously he was mainly famous for his paintings of geese and swans, but... Um, well, today's a Turner painting, not in the sort of wild weather, but in terms of the kind yeah. of sky and reflections and the slight abstract feel of the formless landscape. So Ben, we're coming to the end of our recording. Um, your book, who was it published by? Dorling Kindersley, Kindersley. good old DK. Yeah. Um, In all good bookshops, as they say. Yeah. And it's called Nature's Treasures. That's right. And it's got a sub line of a hundred, is it a hundred? It's a hundred stories of um, objects from the natural world. So yeah. So you can get a bit more Ben if you buy the book. Ben, thanks so very much for a brilliant day out and your, your wise words about this wonderful wild landscape. Pleasure, Fergus. It's been good to catch, catch up. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And that really was a tremendous pleasure catching up with a good old friend, Ben Hoare. And what a wonderful day we had. I just so loved spending time with him in such a wild place with all those bird sounds, those wild voices of the countryside that I... Oh, it did that. It did me good because I've been covering so many stories of curly declines and lapwing declines, and seeing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them was really quite just uplifting. So I hope you enjoyed that trip to the marshes. I certainly will be very sustained by it for a long time. And talking of being sustained by, <laughs> um, as promised, I'm joined in the studio by my very sustaining pals. Hannah and Jack, who helped make this podcast. And first in the series, lovely to see you both. Welcome back. Hello. Lovely to see you. It's it's nice to be back doing uh, doing another series and Voices of the Countryside, because I've got some good news to share, which is that we've now reached a million downloads since we started. Quite incredible. I mean, it's amazing. After, I mean, you know, we, we do occasionally like to blow our own trumpets, but we just want to say a huge thank you to everyone out there thousands of people in the UK and around the world who've listened and sent in ideas and chatted to us and 
And also, I'd like to say thank you to Jack and Hannah for being here all this time and patience. And <laughs> um, so, enough of that. Actually, something I did want to ask you both was obviously in that podcast, Ben and I talked a lot about how the being out somewhere wild, listening to nature, does us good. Do you do you get that? Is that something you you sort of feel? Is that one of your main reasons for going out into the, into the outside into the wild? I don't always find it soothing. Sometimes I can get really angry about things when I'm outside. Things like access, things like development, that sort of stuff really gets to me. If I'm really, really far away from everything, then yes, it can be, it can give you a perspective on things that is really helpful. But there have been times where I come back much worse That's than I was when I went out. Gosh, so when you're out, <laughs> sometimes you see stuff that makes your, that boils your blood. And, uh, yeah. oh, that's sad. And you know the dog poo in the trees oh, and all yeah, that stuff, yeah. and you think, like, oh, why? What's happening? Like, you, I just want to protect it so much. Yeah, so there is this sort of fundamental love and beauty, but it can be marred, and that, that can mar your, mar your mood. Yeah. Oh, okay, gosh. Jack, how about you? I I agree, not with not with Hannah. I don't I I don't get as angry. <laughs> I've never seen her angry, Jack. Actually, I'm quite a I'm quite a calm person. Thank, anyway, thankfully. but I definitely feel getting out and about. I think is definitely really good for you. I think not only are there the benefits of the fresh air, the quietness sometimes in bits and pieces like that. I think normally as well, if you're out far enough stuff like mobile signal and bits like that uh, drop off and it kind of forces you to really pull yourself away from technology and a lot of people especially around my age now have kind of grown up and there's that defaultness that if you've got nothing to do you just put out your phone and start scrolling you've just got to sit just or walk and just take in where you are and relax and I think there's something about that that when you're forced to stop it can actually be more enjoyable than you think it will be yeah I think they're absolutely right. I think it's definitely d- does it for me. I go camping quite a bit, and to get up early in the morning when you go camping, get out your tent, and if you've got like a little fire or something, just sit by it where it's all really still, quiet, and still a bit of a chill in the air. No one's really up and about. Kind of everything's kind of still in snooze mode, and it's those moments there. I'm I, I love them so much. It's that's that's my new uh, Christmas morning <laughs> as I've grown older, and I think. I think that kind of just proves that outdoors and nature and having that bit of peace and being surrounded in the fresh air, I think that's, it is really good for you. Unless you're Hannah and you probably... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's good for me as well. Definitely that um, feeling of being in the moment. You know, you actually, you're there in that spot and everything is telling you that you are there. You're smelling it, you can feel the temperature everything you're seeing is everything's connected you're not kind of pushed off in a different place because something is buzzing in your pocket like you're absolutely there it's sort of a stolen yeah. moment isn't it when when everyone else is still asleep like, yeah. i think even when you're if you're on your own or if you're with a load of people you always whisper there's there's it's that weirdness that is so quiet out that you feel like you can't talk normally because that's way too loud for that time of day you've <laughs> you just kind of got to whisper and keep that quietness I guess you're a visitor in that space as well. Like you've 
you're not usually there and there's everything around you that is that is usually there and so you've got to respect it yeah but you're properly immersed when you're camping and and if you if it's a treasure map. I love that. I love that idea. You know, this is a theme that we'll be exploring throughout this series, talking to lots of different people about what it is about the outdoors, nature, some people's jobs, farming, craftspeople, um, other people who work in the countryside will tell us about their loves and and hates and, and the things that motivate them and things that calm them. Having talked about the little delights of nature and some of the things that we really enjoy when we're outside... I have a little treat to share with you, something I recorded just while I was out walking the dog the other day. Lots of birds on about, but I heard this. I love that so much. <laughs> it's exactly like someone like twanging a ruler on the end that's, of the desk. Yeah, that's a good description. We've rumbled him. We've rumbled him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been faking woodpeckers in the local woods. A lot of robins there and there were other other birds, but that whirring as well, you described it perfectly. Um, it's a sort of slightly half-hearted woodpecker drumming and great spotted woodpecker. Obviously you knew that, but... Um, it's just a delight to hear. It's the first of the first I've heard of the year, and it's what they do in lieu of having a song. Most birds, as you could do, sing. Most songbirds, anyway. But woodpeckers just bash away. They have a yaffle, though, don't uh, they? The green woodpecker has a yaffle. Yeah, oh, so that has okay. a, and that doesn't do drumming, so it has a sort of laughing, maniacal shriek, really. And then, but the the so they they do that against sort of dead trees whatever and like any other birds they do it to you know, say oh, i live here this is my territory but also i live here do you want to move in <laughs> um, <laughs> to their mates that was great and just a sign that even though we're in the middle of winter spring is around the corner and without sort of banging on about this so much actually we sort of often think wait till march or april to listen to birdsong the birds are already staking out their territories and you know, it's 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 spring. Spring is in birds' minds, if not in our lives yet. So that's, that's we call these our sounds of the week. Now I take editor's prerogative here and record. I've recorded one to play to you, <laughs> but we really love it if you listeners could send in your own recordings, so that you can share some of the things that are going on in your neighbourhood. Anything really. Birdsong is great, obviously, because it's so easy, so beautiful. But just interesting, curious things that you might have heard of fantastic waterfall or just the sound of water dripping in a cave. I really want to hear the sound of a, a cracking puddle, you know, when you just get the ice and you oh, yes. for the Snapping. first time. Just That is a sweet yes. sound. Record it. I mean, Jack, you've got the best of advice. How, how, how should people send it in if they, if they want to? Record it on whatever you've got on a phone, anything like that will do absolutely fine. Um, just make sure the best recording, just point your microphone end towards what you're recording uh, and then you can just take the files off your phone and you'll probably need to use a file compression site so something like we transfer dropbox something along those lines uh, and you can send the file into fergus by his email which is editor at countryfile.com really look forward to hearing some sounds it's just great we had lots over the last year and oh from all around the world can people send them to to us via 
Twitter and Facebook yes, they too. Can. They can. Our Facebook page is open. Twitter is open. It's harder to send sound on Twitter. Twitter doesn't allow you to send sound. You have to send it as a video. Uh, but on Facebook, you can send to our, well, look for Country Farm Magazine on Facebook. We're there. Chat about the podcast there too. Quite ironic. You can't send birdsong via Twitter. <laughs> yes, <laughs> true. Well, you have to video the bird and then, oh, it's, it's convoluted. And do get in touch. In fact, uh, another one of our regular elements is our podcast post bag. Jack, with the longest arms, you are the the, the, the delver of the week. <laughs> King rummager. Uh, and, and I'm telling you, the, the podcast post bag is bulging after Christmas. It's bul- <laughs> We're all bulging after Christmas. I've dug out this letter that's from Ian Debs and Dylan the Welshie, and they've written in uh, to say this. Many thanks for the mention on the recent podcast. It quite made our week. It was good to meet you and put a face to the voice. The podcast has been one of the saving graces of the last couple of years, a haven of calm in a mad, mad world. I loved the Lost Words slash Spells episode. Having bought the book when it came out and the Welsh language version for my father, I'm going to get the CDs now. We were staying just outside St David's last week and the wildlife highlight was spotting a pair of ring-tailed hen harriers flying low over Dalrog Common from the cottage we were staying at. Extraordinary birds. That's lovely. And uh, that's Ian and Debs, who um, are local to me in Abergavenny, and I bumped into them while out, while out recording. And they was... Is, is Dylan a D- Dylan is the Welshie, yes. Welsh, a Welsh... Okay, yeah, so yeah, it's like a, a, a species yes, of dog. Yeah, Not just a Welsh no, thing, yeah, a person, a child. That's a point. No, Dylan is the dog. <laughs> and they were just okay. really delightful to, to, to chat to him. So they've obviously had a great time. I'm really envious of their hen harriers which I haven't seen for a very long time. And uh, that would be a really great bird to capture on um, capture on the podcast. Just fantastic birds of prey. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Lovely. Keep in touch and send us send us more, more thoughts and more adventures, Ian and Debs and Dylan. Jack's just handed me a tweet <laughs> from the <laughs> A tweet that came, that came to your came Twitter. To Twitter account. Uh, this is from uh, Kay Leadham Green. I sort of picked up on this one. It sort of wasn't sent direct to me. She was saying in response to someone else who was asking for podcasts to listen to. And she said, one of my favourite podcasts is the Countryfile podcast. And importantly for long drives, nothing ever happens. (laughs) (laughs) My favourite of all is the episode where you went looking for bunnies, wood warblers and ravens in the Brecon Beacons. I've never got to the end without needing to pull over for a stiff coffee. (laughs) There's another bunny, she says in inverted commas. It tickles me pink and is strangely addictive. Now, I did have a bit to and fro with Kate, uh, just to check that that was a compliment, and it was really meant as a compliment. (laughs) It's It's really really sweet. (laughs) Um, So she's using it as a calming device. Next week, we're going up for an adventure with Jeremy from BBC Music magazine to talk about how composers and musicians have been inspired by the landscape. So it's a different sort of voice in the countryside. And we're going to, or he's going to tell me about the great pieces of music that evoke our wonderful landscapes and some of the wildlife. So expect larks ascending and all sorts of other joys. But for now, from the three of us in the remote podcast studio, Thank you so very much for listening and look forward to you joining us again next week. So goodbye from us.